Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast contains graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the territories of the Coast Salish people. Um, that, you know, Chelsea was a person who wouldn't deliberately go out and hurt somebody. She was a person who would deliberately take, you know, the jacket off of her own self to get somebody else warm. Like, that was her. She was so kind. She looked out for other people. You know, she wanted to make people, you know, happy. Uh, She didn't like seeing them hurt. She didn't like seeing them, you know, if they were hurting or if they were cold. You know, she would try and help them. That's just who she was. Like, she was naturally a person who was giving. She had, you know, dreams of writing music, of writing songs. She wanted to become a makeup artist. Like, she had all these dreams. And just like that, she doesn't have anything. You know, somebody out there does know what happened to Chelsea that night. And I wish that they would just come out and let us know. You know, instead of just dragging this on more. Like, I think me and my daughters, we really do need closures to where, to what happened to her so we can move on with our lives. Like, really move on with our lives. Originally from Saskatchewan, 24-year-old Chelsea Poorman had recently moved to Vancouver, British Columbia. On the evening of September 6, 2020, Chelsea went out for a night of dinner and drinks with her sister. Just after midnight, Chelsea left a small party to meet someone. When she failed to return home or contact her family, she was reported as a missing person. For months, people searched the downtown core to find her. Eighteen months would pass with no answers into her disappearance. Tragically, on April 22, 2022, a contractor working on a mansion in an exclusive neighborhood would make a discovery that has raised more questions than answers. In this episode, we ask, what happened to Chelsea? And you are listening to True North True Crime. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back to True North True Crime, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank some folks for buying coffee this week, so a big thank you to Karthik and an anonymous donor for buying us some much-needed caffeine. If you would like to donate a coffee for the podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. True North True Crime is an independent podcast bringing attention to the stories of missing people and victims of violent crime. We are a two-person team building these episodes from start to finish. We do take suggestions for episodes and prioritize cases that come directly from family members or close contacts of those cases. If you have a case you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out at truenorthtruecrime at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into tonight's episode. So this episode is a part two of sorts. In January of 2021, we brought you the story of Chelsea Borman, a 24-year-old Cree woman who disappeared in downtown Vancouver on the Labor Day weekend of 2020. This is a case that we have followed closely, and we had hoped that Chelsea would be found alive. Sadly, there has been an update. On May 6, 2022, Vancouver police announced that they had found skeletal remains that were identified as Chelsea Borman. There were some details in that press conference that have raised questions for us. Apparently, Chelsea's family and community also have those same questions. So, in an effort to support a family seeking answers, we are going to revisit this case with the new information that we now have. We titled this episode, What Happened to Chelsea, as a way to amplify the Facebook group, which is now named What Happened to Chelsea. We ask that you join that group, and we will link it in our show notes. We put this episode together using publicly available news articles, family statements, and also some solid coverage by the Vancouver True Crime Podcast. If you're looking to find out more information on this case, we suggest that you go to the Instagram account Vancouver underscore true underscore crime. There you will find an interview with Michael Kiernan, who is Chelsea's dad. You will also find other posts related to this case, as well as other cases affecting Vancouver. When we first covered Chelsea's case, we spoke with Chelsea's mom, Sheila Porman, through email to get some background on Chelsea. For this episode, we spoke to Sheila by phone as she traveled from BC to Saskatchewan for Chelsea's funeral. We would like to thank Sheila for making some time to speak with us, especially under such tragic circumstances. We are now going to review some of the information that Sheila provided for us in episode 15. Chelsea Poorman was born on October 12, 1995. She grew up with her family, which included two sisters, in the city of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Chelsea's family are from Coahuacatoos First Nation, which is in the central region of the province. Sheila told us that Chelsea is a highly organized person and needed everything to be in its place. When she was a child, she always made lists, uh, which included things that she needed to do that day, like 7.30 a.m., wake up, 7.45 a.m., take a shower, and 8 o'clock, brush teeth. This list would continue throughout the course of her day and would end when she went to bed. She was also the kind of kid who had her clothes folded up and ready to go for the next morning. When she was about three or four years old is when her family noticed that Chelsea was, in Sheila's words, 
a little fashion queen. Her outfits had to match or she would not leave the house. So Sheila let her pick out her own clothes to wear when she was a kid. In adulthood, she still maintained that great sense of fashion. Chelsea always stuck up for her sister. If anyone was mean to her in school, Chelsea would stand her ground despite being one of the smaller kids. She did not like to see bullying take place, so she had no issue standing up to bullies. Chelsea was also an animal lover and would bring home stray cats or dogs if she ever found any. Chelsea was known to have a huge heart and was always willing to help anyone that she felt needed it. Her sister Paige described Chelsea as a really kind and sweet person. As Chelsea moved into her adult years, she began to push towards future goals. She had a flair for the more artistic side of life. She wanted to be a fashion designer. She also loved to write songs and wanted to make music. She loved movies too and thought about working in film. It seems that Chelsea was a creative looking for an outlet to tell her story. Tragically, in 2014, Chelsea was in a bad car accident. She was left with serious, life-altering physical and mental injuries. As a result of the accident, she recovered in such a way that she had a limp that required a leg brace and a cane. The accident left one of her arms at a permanent 90-degree angle. She also suffered a brain injury. The result of that brain injury had lasting impacts on her mental health. In 2018, tragedy struck again and Chelsea was the victim of a violent assault. The combination of the car accident and the assault left Chelsea with the challenging effects of post-traumatic stress disorder. Chelsea had many obstacles in her life that made it hard for her to achieve all of those goals she had once dreamed of. Going back to school or even finding a job became difficult. After her accident and the assault, Chelsea's mental health declined. According to Sheila, Chelsea was trying very hard to live a normal life, but it was extremely hard for her and she ended up turning to alcohol and drugs for a period of time to deal with all the trauma that she had gone through. Chelsea was living in Saskatchewan at this time. She was trying her best to get help for her mental health issues, but she found it difficult to get the proper help that she needed in Saskatchewan. She decided to come to Vancouver to get help for her mental health, which she was in the process of doing when she went missing. She had apparently connected with a clinic in the downtown east side. So in 2020, Sheila, Chelsea, and Paige, who is one of Chelsea's sisters, moved to Vancouver. According to Chelsea's social media, she moved to Vancouver on July 14, 2020. It was reported by CBC that Chelsea had planned to attend film school that fall. So like most places around the world, Vancouver in the summer of 2020 was an interesting place. COVID-19 case numbers and deaths were going down for the most part, and the city and province were trying their first attempt at a restart. Most people were still socializing in their bubbles or outdoors, but by Labor Day weekend, it seemed like Vancouver was attempting to get back to pre-pandemic functioning. The service industry was slowly opening back up again. This was good news for the Granville Street Entertainment District. The Granville Strip, as some people call it, is about a six-block area of bars, restaurants, nightclubs, and dollar pizza joints. So it was on the evening of Sunday, September 6th, 2020, that Chelsea and her sister Paige decided to go out on the town. A social media post shows Chelsea and Paige in a selfie with the caption, hitting up every club tonight on Granville. Paige and Chelsea went out for dinner, and then later for drinks. 
Paige and Chelsea hit up the Belmont Hotel at Granville and Nelson. This building is home to a couple of bars called the Living Room and the Basement. After drinks, the sisters left the bar and went to a friend's nearby apartment. This apartment is located at 1278 Granville Street at the intersection of Davie near the south end of the Strip. There are quite a few residential and condo-style apartments in the area. This apartment is about a two-minute walk from the bar. Chelsea and Paige hung out at the friend's apartment, having some casual drinks after the club. There was nothing remarkable about this gathering. It wasn't an out-of-control party or anything like that. At some point during the night, around midnight, Chelsea got up and left the apartment without telling anyone where she was going. She did not announce that she was going to meet anyone. Instead, she simply got up and left. Paige managed to get a hold of Chelsea by phone. Paige stated the following in a CBC article. She's just like, leave me alone, I'm with my new bae. And I was like, Chelsea, who's there? Where are you? And she still didn't say anything and hung up on me. There were no other phone calls or texts from Chelsea after this exchange. Paige went out onto Granville Street to try to find Chelsea, but she could not find her. She also called Chelsea's phone, but there was no answer. Sheila and Paige became very concerned when Chelsea did not contact them at all. Two days later, they filed a missing persons report with the Vancouver Police Department. The Vancouver Police Department would issue a missing persons alert 10 days later. Both Sheila and Paige had a feeling that this was not the same as other times that Chelsea had lost contact. Sheila shared with us that from time to time, Chelsea would maybe go on a party streak for a few days, but she would always let them know where she was. They both stated that this particular time felt different and that something was not right. We asked Sheila what she felt was different about this time, and she stated the thing that was different was when she never contacted us the next day. She always let us know she was okay, even if she was high or drunk. She would always call us. We also asked about the strange man or the quote new bay and if they had any idea who it might be. And neither Paige nor Sheila know, stating quote, we have no clue as to who that man is. She is a very friendly person and talks with anyone. So she had probably just met that man she was with. We want to note here that Chelsea wasn't dating anyone at the time, nor did she indicate that she had intentions of meeting up with someone new that night before she left the Davie Street apartment. As the days went on, Sheila noticed that Chelsea did not use her bank account. She felt this was also odd because if Chelsea was partying somewhere, she'd need that money. One clue that came in early in the investigation was a cell phone ping for the night she went missing from Victory Square. Now, for those unfamiliar with Vancouver, Victory Square is home to a park and a cenotaph. The park borders the western side of Vancouver's downtown east side. The downtown east side is a neighborhood in the city of Vancouver that struggles with many socioeconomic issues, including addiction, mental health, and poverty. Obviously, it was concerning that Chelsea was in this area at night. But one of the questions that remains is how did Chelsea get to Victory Square? She didn't drive and she had mobility issues. Victory Square is about a two kilometer or 22 minute walk from the Granville Strip area. It is a 10 minute bus ride or five minute drive. 
So how did Chelsea get there, and who was she with? Sheila spent weeks and months searching for Chelsea. With the aid of the community and organizations like Butterflies in Spirit, she spent her days postering, handing out business cards, and chasing tips. Sheila has done an amazing job of keeping Chelsea in the media. She has made multiple media pleas. She started a Facebook group. She has talked to podcasts. She never gave up. There were also multiple vigils and marches for Chelsea. It was impossible not to see Chelsea's face on a massive banner or a poster in downtown Vancouver. If someone knew where Chelsea was, they were not talking. But they would have known that people were looking for her. During this time, Michael Kiernan, who is Chelsea's dad, drove his van to Vancouver to help find his daughter. For 17 months, he drove around downtown Vancouver in a van that is covered in Chelsea's missing posters. He did searches all the while living in his van. Michael, who is not in a relationship with Sheila, recently gave an interview to the CBC that had some interesting revelations. We will cover that later in the episode. The Vancouver Police Department have stated that they felt Chelsea's file was an important one as she was a vulnerable, missing person. In press releases, they have stated that they had their most experienced investigators on this file. In December of 2021, detectives received approval for the use of title mapping in the False Creek area near the Canby Street Bridge. This was approved with the hypothesis that Chelsea could have died by suicide. They searched this area and came up with nothing. Despite all of the investigations, the searches, and the awareness campaigns, there were no signs of Chelsea. Then tragically, on April 22, 2022, Chelsea's remains were found on the property of a vacant mansion in one of Vancouver's most expensive neighborhoods. This news was devastating to Chelsea's family and the community. And not the news that any of us wanted to hear. Chelsea Poorman had passed away at just 24 years old. We are now going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we will talk about what the police have had to say, the community reaction, and the questions that still remain unanswered. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And we are back. So, before the break, we outlined what we have learned about Chelsea, her disappearance, and the effort to bring her back home. Chelsea disappeared from the Granville Street Entertainment District after a night out with her sister. And then sadly, her remains were found 18 months later on the grounds of a vacant mansion. On Thursday, May 5th, 2022, Canada recognized the National Day of Awareness for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. The day after, on May 6th, 
two weeks after Chelsea was discovered, the Vancouver Police Department held the following press conference. This morning, um, investigators from the Vancouver Police Department's major crime section met with family members of uh, Chelsea Poorman. Uh, sadly, to inform them that Chelsea's uh, uh, remains uh, were found uh, two weeks ago on a property on the west side of Vancouver. Uh, this is a tragic end to a high-profile uh, missing persons case that started in September of 2020 when uh, Chelsea went missing. Um, obviously, this is not the outcome that uh, anybody wanted. Um, we had always hoped that uh, our investigation would uh, lead to uh, Chelsea's safe return. Uh, our sympathies go out to everybody who knew Chelsea, who loved her, her family, the community, and everybody who had hoped that she uh, would come home safely. Chelsea was discovered um, on a vacant property near Granville and West 37th Avenue uh, in Shaughnessy. Um, she was this is, and this is a house that's been vacant for a number of years. Um, she was discovered um, dead, sadly, um, by a contractor who was working on the house. And then the Vancouver Police Department was immediately notified. Our investigators notified the BC Coroner Service, which assisted in the investigation. We've now received the findings of the coroner's investigation and based on those findings, um, we have confirmed that uh, the remains that were found on that property were the remains of Chelsea Poorman. And we've also concluded, based on the totality of the evidence, everything that we know from the start of this investigation up until the time that we received the coroner's uh, findings, um, there's, um, we don't believe that this uh, death is suspicious. When I say that... Um, what I mean is we do not believe um, that Chelsea was murdered. We don't believe that her death was caused by another person. Um, the exact cause of death may never be known. Um, and at this point, it's considered to be undetermined. Um, we do believe that Chelsea likely died on that property, either the night that she uh, went missing or shortly thereafter. And remained on that property undiscovered until a contractor working on the house found her remains two weeks ago. Uh, it's very sad. It's very tragic. It's not the outcome that, uh, that any of us wanted. Um, our sympathies go to everybody who uh, knew her, everybody who loved her, her family, the community, and everybody who hoped that she uh, would have come home safely. Uh, we all wanted this to end uh, differently, and uh, we're very sorry that it didn't. So there's a lot to unpack in that clip. VPD media person Sergeant Steve Addison states that based on the BC coroner report that they believe that Chelsea died on the property the night she went missing or close to that time. He also states that based on the totality of evidence that they do not believe that Chelsea's death was suspicious, meaning that her death was not caused by another person. Many people familiar with this case were taken aback by those statements. So we are now going to walk through what we have learned and what we know. There are some rumors out there, of course, and we will report on those as well. Um, this is a fluid case. It is There's new information coming out. It feels uh, almost weekly. There is also some conflicting information out there. But let's start with the location. I know for us, it was the location that was the first major red flag. So the property is located in an area of Vancouver known as Shaughnessy. 
Shaughnessy is one of the most upscale neighborhoods in Vancouver. The wide, tree-lined streets are dotted with many old and newer mansions. This is a very elite area. What also makes it desirable is that it is in Vancouver proper. It's not some faraway suburb, it's an area that is very much a part of the city itself. However, Shaughnessy can feel like a completely different world for most Vancouverites who struggle to maintain their housing due to the affordability issues that plague the city. This area is truly for the 1%. Shaughnessy also has the highest percentage of empty or vacant homes in all of Vancouver, with many of the homeowners living outside of Vancouver or outside of Canada entirely. These homes are owned, they just aren't lived in. The home where Chelsea was found is a 5,570 square foot house located at 1436 West 36th Avenue. It is considered a single family home with nine bedrooms and three bathrooms. The last purchase of the home was in 2014 when it was bought for $7.3 million. However, it was assessed in 2019 with a value of $7.8 million. It is believed that the home has not been lived in since 2015, so it has sat there owned but vacant for about seven years. Land title records show the owners are listed as a businessman and a homemaker who live abroad. So the home is surrounded with a metal fence that has a brick base. And on the house side of the fence, there is a tall, possibly six-foot hedge with a shorter hedge on the street side of the fence. There is a locked gate in the driveway, which looks to be about six feet tall at its peak. The owners have said that it took a long time to get permits uh, from the city to renovate the house for various reasons, including COVID-19. According to the City of Vancouver website, there have been multiple building permits issued at the residence for the last seven years. The front of the home is well manicured and taken care of, but the back of the home looks a little bit like a construction site. It's quite messy with broken patio tiles and leftover construction materials. Police have stated that the home was known to be entered by people who did not own the house or live there, which we take to mean that the police have been called there in the past for people trespassing on the property. Contractors have been coming and going from the property in the daytime for a few years now. It was most likely the spring weather and the release of more construction permits that led to this group of contractors, who discovered Chelsea, to come back to the property. So if we used the Victory Square phone ping as Chelsea's last known location, then the distance Chelsea would have to travel to the Shaughnessy Mansion is about 7 kilometers. This is a 14-minute drive, a 37-minute bus ride, or a 1-hour and 33-minute walk. Again, Chelsea wasn't driving, and she had mobility issues. If we are measuring the distance from the Davie and Granville Street apartment, then that would be about 5.8 kilometers away from where she was found. This would be a 12-minute drive, a 28-minute bus ride, or a 1-hour and 16-minute walk. We asked Sheila if Chelsea would have known about this location on her own. Sheila said no. Chelsea would not know this location. Sheila told us that Chelsea was new to town and only familiar with the area around Sheila's Hastings Street apartment. She went on to say that Chelsea could not have walked there based on her mobility issues. Yeah, like she doesn't know anybody in the city, but she was also very friendly, right? Um, 
the other thing is like she couldn't have walked over there because of her disability. She she doesn't walk long distances, not that long anyway. And if she did, it would take her like forever to get there. So before we get into this next section, we would like to add an additional content warning. We are going to be talking about human skeletal remains. We will be talking about this as some questions have been raised specifically about the condition that Chelsea was found in. So as stated, Chelsea's remains were found by a contractor on Friday, April 22nd. Apparently, the contractors were cleaning up the backyard when they came across skeletal remains. Chelsea was found outside of the home in the backyard area. From a video of the location shared online by Mike Kiernan, it appears that she was found along the fence line near a tiled granite or concrete patio space. From the video, it looks like this is not a raised deck type patio, it's more of a garden patio. Chelsea's remains were skeletal when they were discovered. If the coroner report is correct and she did in fact die on September 7th, 2020 at the mansion location, then her remains were out in the elements for 18 months. Vancouver has had incredibly severe weather for the past two years, including a heat wave, floods, and snowstorms. The state of her remains has made determining her cause of death impossible. According to VPD Sergeant Addison, he states that we will likely never know, referring to the cause of death. When we spoke to Sheila, we knew that she had concerns about the state in which Chelsea was found. Sheila shared with us that Chelsea was missing multiple finger bones and a piece of her skull was also missing. Chelsea's body was found along with her clothing and some personal effects. Police didn't say whether her cell phone, leg brace, and cane were also found with her body or at the residence. When we spoke to Sheila, she was still unsure if Chelsea's phone has been found. Some information came out on social media early. A lot of it was conflicting, which happens a lot in cases that are breaking. At first, it was reported that Chelsea was wrapped in a blanket. Then it was reported that there was a blanket and a cushion. When we spoke to Sheila, she stated that Chelsea was not wrapped in a blanket. However, there may have been a blanket nearby. So Michael Kiernan, Chelsea's father, recently did an Instagram Live interview with Mark at Vancouver True Crime. In that interview, he stated that he spoke to the coroner's office. The coroner shared with Michael that Chelsea's entire skull was missing except for her bottom jawbone. In the interview, Michael stated, quote, I was originally told that part of her cranium was missing. Yesterday, speaking with the coroner, I found out that besides her lower jaw, her cranium, in other words, her skull, is completely gone. So with all of these things being said, her cell phone is missing, a camera is missing, her identification is missing, and sorry to say, her skull is missing. Does this not get any more suspicious than this? Now, if this is accurate, it raises some questions. Animal activity or weather can explain smaller bones being missing. However, someone having their whole skull or a part of it being missing is very concerning. So just to summarize this information, Chelsea's remains were found on April 22, 2022. There may have been a blanket nearby, but she was not wrapped in a blanket. Some of her skeletal remains were also missing. And as far as we know, her phone and ID has not been found. However, there were some of her belongings found nearby. Michael Kiernan also recently did a pretty major interview with CBC reporter 
Karen Larson. This article is titled, Chelsea Poorman's Father Says Vancouver Police Lied, Mishandled Investigation into Daughter's Disappearance. The article is dated May 17, 2022. There are some key takeaways in this article that we wanted to share with you. In the interview, Kiernan said there was a lot of confusing communication from investigators after Chelsea's remains were found. He was first told by police that she was discovered in a rubbish pile. Then he was told she was found lying on a cushion with a blanket over her. He said it was only after speaking directly with the contractor who discovered her body that he learned neither was true, that she was found lying on the back patio of the house. He went on to say that he actually entered the scene after police left and made some of his own discoveries. Kiernan told CBC he broke into the Shaughnessy home on May 11th and 12th after police investigators had left and was shocked to find several of Chelsea's personal items still on the back patio where her body was found. This included part of her cell phone case, socks, a bus pass, hair elastics, and what he called a disgusting number of police gloves strewn about. There's just a ton of items, a lot of identifying things that she had in her purse that should have been, in my opinion, at the very least been collected for the investigation. Nothing was collected. We believe that the piece of her cell phone case may have been a decorative phone charm of some sort. Michael held off on his criticism of the investigation when Chelsea was a missing person as he didn't want to upset investigators. But Michael is now being honest about some of the things that he has noticed about the official search for Chelsea. He goes on to highlight some of his criticisms of the investigation into Chelsea's disappearance. In the article it states, The father of Chelsea Poorman says police lied to him and mishandled his daughter's case from the moment she was reported missing up until they announced her death in late April and categorized it as not suspicious. Michael Kiernan says he can't help but wonder if the Vancouver Police Department would have taken Chelsea's disappearance more seriously and acted more quickly if she was not Indigenous. Quote, I believe that they have an issue with Indigenous women, 100%. I believe because she was Indigenous, she didn't get the proper service she deserved. The article continues. Kiernan believes the lack of police urgency by VPD meant valuable information was lost. He said that not only was there a 10-day delay in issuing a missing persons notice, he said police were untruthful about their efforts to collect video from the night of her disappearance from stores along Granville Street. Quote, I talked to every business owner and they were never approached. They were never asked. Police didn't check the cameras. They claimed they did an extensive video search. Nothing but lies. Nothing but lies. And I can verify that. Making matters worse was learning that police didn't even have video from their own surveillance camera at the VPD Granville Community Policing Center that points at the building where Chelsea was last seen alive. Michael stated, This is the part that breaks my heart. When I asked them about the camera that faces 1278 Granville Street, they told me it's not working. So the VPD Community Policing Office that is directly across from where Chelsea was last seen has a camera facing the entrance to 1278 Granville, but it wasn't working on September 6, 2020. Like many people, Mike questions how Chelsea even got to the Shaughnessy location, stating, It's 5.8 kilometers, and she would have a hard time doing 0.8 kilometers, let alone getting there and getting over these massive gates. He said, It's basically impossible for her to do that. 
So many people have many questions in this case. We are sure you have some. Here are some of the ones that have come up so far. Who was the person that Chelsea left to see? The person she referred to as Bay. How did she get to Victory Square where her phone pinged? How did she get to Shaughnessy? Why was there no phone ping in that location, and how did she even know where that location was? If her body was at the location for 18 months, where contractors were coming and going, why was it not discovered earlier? Why are there missing parts of her skeletal remains? Chelsea was 24 years old. She wouldn't just die in a backyard. If VPD are tacitly calling this an overdose then who was she using with? Did Chelsea just randomly find this mansion to hang out at by herself? How did she get over the fence and the locked gate? And lastly, why were VPD and the coroner's office so quick to call her death not suspicious? Well, it seems that VPD have walked their statement back a little. On May 17th, VPD spokesman Sergeant Steve Addison stated in an email to CBC that... The Vancouver Police Department's investigation into Chelsea's disappearance and death remains open. However, Addison reiterated that police have insufficient evidence to suggest her death was the result of a crime. In a recent email to Post Media, Sergeant Addison wrote, No decisions have been made in haste. Our findings are based on facts and evidence. We also understand these findings are unlikely to satisfy family, friends, and community members who knew Chelsea, loved her, and believed her death must have been the result of a crime. He also said the case isn't closed, stating, We don't yet know where Chelsea went immediately after her disappearance or how she ended up at the house in Shaughnessy. We are continuing to investigate and ask anyone with information about Chelsea to contact us. Sheila shared what was said in a recent meeting with the VPD. Um, they say that it's still ongoing. They're, they're backpedaling now. Now they're, they told me Friday that they're still investigating. They were very, like, they, they've apologized, and but, but the damage is done already. They, what they did was just, it wasn't right by, you know, just dismissing Chelsea just like that, you know, especially on national television. Like she was nothing. You know, she's found us. That's it. We're done. You know, wash our hands of her. And they expected me just to accept it like that? No. Family and community members gathered in Vancouver on Sunday, May 8th, to honor Chelsea Poorman at the mansion in Shaughnessy. Many of the participants dressed in red. They hung red dresses and posters of Chelsea. They said prayers, sang, drummed, and took part in ceremony. Advocates for the Indigenous community said prayers for Chelsea while asking questions about her death. The memorial was organized by Butterflies in Spirit, a dance group made up of family members of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. The group has been helping to support Sheila Poorman since Chelsea's disappearance, and this is a group that we have mentioned many times on this podcast. 24-year-old Chelsea Poorman was laid to rest by her family and community on Sunday, May 15th at the Quakatoos First Nation in Saskatchewan. Sheila made the journey from B.C. to Saskatchewan for the funeral, a journey no mother should have to make. Many organizations have come forward to support Chelsea's family, 
including the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, who wrote a letter calling for a full investigation into Chelsea's death. In that letter, they stated, The Vancouver Police Department must do more to investigate what truly happened to Chelsea Poorman. Chelsea's family deserves to know the truth of what happened to their daughter and sister. It is our treaty and inherent right to be protected by the police members across Canada, and this department has failed. The Vancouver Police Department must issue an apology to Chelsea's family for their lack of action. Then, the real work has to begin. The person at fault for Chelsea's murder needs to be caught, and justice needs to be served. Too many of our mothers, daughters, sisters have been taken and murdered, and we have gotten no answer as to what happens. This needs to end. We asked Sheila Poorman how our listeners can help. You know, keeping it out there that, you know, the police still need to, I guess, publicly apologize. Like, a a public apology would be, you know, nice, and for them to, you know, say that they are going to continue on with the investigation, like, publicly say that instead of people still thinking that they're not. Yeah, an, an apology behind closed doors is unacceptable to me right now. Just uh, want to thank everybody who helped out in, you know, looking for her. They put up the posters or, you know, shared on social media her poster. You know, there was a lot of people that helped, and I do appreciate that. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank uh, Philo, um, Butterflies and Spirits, plus my own community back in Saskatchewan. My family and I are really grateful for that help and that support. On May 28, 2022, another march and vigil was held in downtown Vancouver in support of Chelsea Poorman. From the video we have seen online, the crowds are growing at these marches as more and more people want answers. The march ended at the mansion where Chelsea was found, and sadly, after the marchers were leaving, a man believed to be from the Shaughnessy neighborhood was caught on camera ripping down Chelsea's posters. We will continue to report on this case as it unfolds. We hope that some answers come soon. Please join the Facebook group, What Happened to Chelsea? We will link that in our show notes. We want to thank Sheila Porman for taking the time to speak with us again. And as always, we want to thank you all for listening, sharing Chelsea's story, and ensuring that the Porman family knows they aren't alone. Our producers on the podcast are Sherry, Alexa, Urz, Donna, Dennis, Cheryl, Shelley, Kathleen, Mandy, Alicia, L.A., Vicky, Barbara, Colleen, Blair, Melanie, Alberta, Carolyn, Barbara, Shandy, Kelly, Jimmy, Jessa, Lisa Marie, Thomas, Maureen, Lena, Colleen, Susan, Kennedy, and Alex and Andrea. We'll see you again in two weeks with a new episode. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.